Good morning and welcome to Life Church. I'm Aaron Cole, the senior pastor. It is great to have you with us today. And uh, can we just welcome all of our uh, guests, welcome our, our, all of our campuses, the West Campus, Appleton Campus, the Germantown Campus, those that are joining us online. We are one church, multiple locations. We believe that the stained glass of the 21st century is video. And, uh, and screen. And so uh, it's, it's very exciting that right now uh, this church is meeting in multiple locations, not just throughout Milwaukee, but, but in our state here in the great state of Wisconsin. And so anyway, it's great to see you here today. And, uh, and if you are a first-time guest, again, we're really excited about you being here. There's, we know there's a lot of great places and churches you could be at. Uh, and But the fact that you decided to worship with us, we're, we're honored by that. And so uh, I'm going to ask if you would, uh, if you have a Bible, if you would turn to Genesis chapter 6. And if you don't have a Bible, it's going to be on the screen. But I am this summer just kind of what I call preaching out of the overflow, which basically means that, you know, I, I uh, study the Bible in two different ways. I, I study the Bible for myself. Uh, we all, as Christ followers, need to be what I call self-feeders. If you only eat one time a week, that's not a good thing. Amen. Some of you do. Okay, no, I don't. You can tell by looking at me. I, I don't eat one time. And so, uh, we, so, so you need to be able to get into it for yourself. And then as a pastor, I'm always reading the word and studying and saying, God, what are you saying to us? Because sometimes what he's saying to us is different than what he's saying to me. And, uh, and then there's many times where there's a message that God will speak to my heart that's about me. There are times, though, where those two things cross. And, and I feel like what he's speaking in my heart is applicable to where we are. And this is one of those things uh, that months ago I was kind of going through some reading and, some, and just some personal devotion. And I just began to see something out of Scripture that I had believed for a long time and probably have taught. But I just saw an example of it in such a way that I thought, wow, this needs to be you know, communicated. And, uh, and so I want to talk to you today about the will of God. As a senior pastor, as a pastor, as a kind of a spiritual leader, I get asked that sometimes from people. How do you know what God's will is? How do I know what God really wants me to do? How, how do I know if this is God or if it's not? Or, or what is it? How does it work? And, and, uh, and those are all great questions. And, uh, and I want to talk about that today. How does the will of God work? How do you know? What are the principles? What are the common denom denominators? Now, I want to I begin, though, by saying this. When it comes to things like this or anything... In our world, we, we, like, we like to be zapped. That's the way I like to say it. We like the event. Nobody likes the process of it. Nobody wants to, to, to just kind of walk through the process. We all just kind of want to get it. We want to download it, right? I mean, so think, I mean, seriously. It, okay, I'm a guy that, that, you know, I like to lose weight because I like to gain weight. And, and so thank God for Spanx, amen? I'm just saying. So some of you are like, really? Yeah. So anyhow, so... Uh, I'm filtering right now. So, so what happens is, is if I could have somebody pray for me, if one of you had like this, this gift of like weight loss, and you could just pray for me, and I could just, you just say to me, hey, Aaron, hold on just a minute. I want you to hold on to your pants right there, the belt loops. I'm going to pray for you. You're going to drop 30 pounds right now in the name of Jesus. How many would be in line? A lot of you, and some of you are lying right now. Be, both hands should be up. I'm just saying like, like, you know, I would just say, oh, yeah, right now. And the problem with that is, is what I like about that is I get zapped because it doesn't take anything from me. It's, it's this event, right? And, and, and what's the real problem? If you lost that weight like that, what would you do? What would I do? I'd go to a buffet today. That's just what I would do. I'd gain it all back. Amen? That's the problem. And so what happens? We like this in our world. So we like, whether it's a promotion, we want to get it. 
Whether it's, whether it's we want to buy this or buy that or sell this or sell that, we want it to happen fast. I mean, I mean you can't eat Disney World, Disneyland. You should be just like just going to Disneyland or Disney World was like great. Now it's, do you want to go to Disneyland or do you want to do the fast track to Disneyland? Do you want to wait in all the lines or do you want to be right to the very beginning? Oh, I want to be at the very beginning. Well, you know, for an astronomical amount of money, you too can be fast-tracked, right? But I'm, my point is you don't have to wait for the teacups anymore. We want everything to happen. It's like Burger King. My way, right away, now. And when we read Scripture, sometimes we read it that way. Daniel and lions then. David and Goliath. The nation of Israel crossing the Red Sea in dry ground. We, we read these things and we just go, boom, it's this, it's this, this process. It's this, it's this whole deal of, of just, it's an event. And what we don't see and what we don't look at is everything that surrounds it getting to that event. What's the years? And we read it in chapters. And sometimes in a chapter, we're covering months, years, decades, there's a process behind it. And, and, and I want you to understand this. This is the one principle I want you to get today. If you don't get anything else, I want you to get this. When you're talking about how God works, process always precedes the event. Process precedes the event. There is always a backstory. There is always a process that gets you to that place. It's not just it just doesn't just happen. I know the workings of God seem very spontaneous, but if you read the Bible, Malachi 3 says that God does not change. If when you read the creation of the world, you understand that from the foundations of the earth, God had a plan. Even when Jesus comes to the planet as a babe in a manger that we celebrated Christmas time, God speaks of that all the way back in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. It's the first messianic prophecy of the Old Testament. Because God works through a process. Does God work in events? Yes. Do we like when God works in events? Yes. Do I like when God works in events? Yes, yes, yes. I don't like the process any more than you do, but there's a process to it. And sometimes discerning the will of God and the mind of God in a situation means that we've got to understand this. We've got to understand this principle and this how this works. And I just want to stop here just for a second and just kind of give you this. When you're reading the Bible for yourself, the scripture or the passage that you're reading, that's the precept of the word. Out of every precept of scripture, there is a principle. Principles are universal, which means they work at any time, any place, in any culture, and any social demographic. If the Bible only worked in the first century or the beginning of time, and it doesn't work in the 21st century, what are we doing here? The reality is that the Bible is timeless, that the Bible is profitable, the Bible says, for every area of our life. Those are the principles of God's word. And God's responsible for doing two things, keeping his promises and his principles in place. That's the reason why we lean so heavily on God's word that if it were to move, we would fall. But out of principles, from the precepts of scripture, we can derive practices, best practices for our life. Practices, though, are personal. Practices are more of something that it comes out of the principle. It's something that you do. It's a way in which you do it. It's a strategy. It's neither, uh, it's neither sacred, uh, nor, nor, nor is it something that's got to be held in, in, uh, hard and fast. It's something that works for you. And one practice in one area doesn't always work in another area. One practice in one social demographic doesn't necessarily translate. The principles do, but the practices may be fleshed out differently. For instance, uh, if we were located in Manhattan, in New York, we wouldn't give people a gas card 
to come back to Life Church. When you come the first weekend, if you're a first-time guest, I'm kind of spoiling it for you, but one of the things you're going to get is you're going to get a card from me, and you're going to get, uh, uh, we were so glad to have you. Here is a gas card. We would like for, it's five bucks, so don't get all like jazzed, like, oh, he's going to fill my tank. Woo! Uh, I wish, right? We'd go broke. But it's just a gesture to say, you took time out of your schedule. You took your energy. Thank you for being here today. And just a tank of gas is on, I mean, not tank gas, five dollars worth of gas is on us. It's just a nice gesture to say, we want you to come back. If we were in New York, we'd give you a subway token. That's a practice. It's the same principle. It's a different practice. Does that make sense? Because people, for the most part, don't drive cars in New York unless you're a cab driver or you're extremely wealthy. So the reality is, is, is the practices can change. And so I want you to understand this as we're walking through this because it helps you to understand how this works. And, and a great example of this that we're going to look at today is Noah and the flood. Genesis chapter 6, chapter 7, chapter 8. Now, we all know the event for the most part. Even if you weren't raised in church, you, you have some semblance of knowledge to this. But in case you don't, let me just kind of encapsulate it for you from Scripture. Genesis chapter 6, verse 11. This is the event. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight and was full of violence. And God saw how corrupt the earth had become. And for all the people of the earth had corrupted their ways. And God said to Noah, I'm going to put an end to all the people, for the earth is filled with violence because of them. I'm surely going to destroy them, both them and the earth. So make yourself an ark. Look at, goes down to verse 17. I'm going to bring floodwaters on the earth to destroy all the lives under the heavens. Every creature that has breath in it, everything on earth will perish. But I will establish my covenant with you. You will enter the ark, you, your sons, your wife, and your sons' wives, plural. Contrary to the movie with, with uh, Russell Crowe. I, I thought it was really cool that Russell Crowe played Noah because I think Noah was a lot more like gladiator than he was emaciated. But just a, they didn't get it all right. Does that surprise you? Okay, okay, good. Uh, let me go back. Verse number 19. You are to bring into the ark two of all living creatures, male and female, to keep them alive with you. Noah did everything just as God commanded. Now turn over to chapter 7, down to verse 17. Forty days the flood kept coming on the earth. As the waters increased, they lifted the ark high above the earth. The waters rose increased greatly above the earth. The ark floated on the surface of the water. They rose greatly on the earth, and all the high mountains under the entire heavens were covered. The waters rose and covered the mountains to a depth of more than 23 feet. Everything living that moved on the land perished. Birds, livestock, animals, all the creatures that swarmed over the earth, and all mankind. Everything on dry land that had breath, in its li- or breath of life in its nostrils died. Every living thing on the face of the earth was wiped out. People and animals and creatures that move along the ground and the birds were wiped out from the earth. Only Noah was left and those with him in the ark. So most of us know that story. Most of us have heard that account or you've read that in scripture. So you get that. That's the event. And so how we see that is we tend to focus on the, the, this event. God speaks to Noah, build an ark. Noah builds an ark. It rained for 40 days and 40 nights without a stopping. Oh, it rained so hard that the water stopped to drop in. Oh, Lord, didn't it rain? Do you know that song? First Baptist, Fort Smith, VBS. I'm just telling you. I remember it. So we think, well, it rained for 40 days and 40 nights. They get on the boat. They get off the boat. That's it. (laughs) There's a whole lot more to the story when you read it. And it was longer than 40 days. Try over a year. They're on this boat. We read the event. No, there's a process behind it. There's a process that precedes the event. God's working may appear spontaneous. It may appear very event-driven, but the Bible gives us 
explanations of how and why sometimes God works. It's why he's given us his word. It's why it's so important that we read the Bible for ourselves. It's so important that I, as a teacher of God's word, am teaching you and, and, and bringing this to light in your life. Whether you're a Christ follower or whether you're not, these principles will work in your life. Why? Because they're God's word. And so that's what I want to look at. I, I want to look at not the event, you get the event, but the process. So I just want to walk you through the process. So we go back to chapter 7 of Genesis, and we first see that the first part of the process is the call of God. Before the flood, there's a call of God. God calls, God speaks to Noah. Genesis chapter 7, verse 1, and the Lord said to Noah, God speaks. And what we understand about this is that God has a plan. God is not just, <laughs> look, God is not like some redneck in the heavenlies. He goes, hey, boys, watch this. You know, that's the famous last words of any redneck, right? You know that, don't you? Hey, what'll happen if I push this button? I mean, th th it's that kind of a deal, you know? I've had people invite me to go, hey, do you want to go ice fishing? No. No, Lord, no. First of all, it's cold. Second of all, where I'm from, that's how people die. You got some pond that's like glazed over. I know how thick the ice is in Wisconsin. I'm not stupid. But where I'm from, we're not that bright. And, and the pond is just glazed over with ice. And some guy with a redneck goes, hey, ice, four-wheel drive. I can go as fast as I want. Watch this, boys. And he sinks that sucker. That's what happens. People die. Don't laugh. So we look at sometimes, and I think we think God just kind of goes, hey, what will happen if I do this? What happens if I just want to do this? It's like God is just, it's so mystical. And I do understand there's a part of God that we don't completely understand and we'll never completely understand this side of eternity. Paul the Apostle says that this side of eternity, we see in part and we know in part. It's like looking through a stained glass. There are moments of clarity, then it's gone. But God does not want to be some mysterious being. God wants relationship with you and with I. And he wants to reveal himself through relationship. The first time you met your spouse, the first time you met your best friend, the first time you met somebody that's very near and dear to you, did you know everything about them? No. But through relationship, you begin to reveal more and more about you, and they begin to reveal more and more about them. That's how it works with God. Why does it work that way? Because you and I, the creation, are created in his image, the creator. The only thing on the planet that bears the image of God is you. And so the same way we operate relationally is the same way that God operates relationally. Look at Genesis chapter 2, chapter 3, chapter 1. God created us for relationship. He walked with Adam and Eve and talked with them in the cool of the day. At the end of their work, he would come and walk with them and talk with them. God has a plan. God has a plan not just for Noah. God has a plan for you. And it's important to understand that. God is speaking. God wants to reveal himself to you, and not in some weird mystical way. Don't, listen, don't freak out on this. We don't need, and we don't need any more granola theology in the church of just, whoa, it's just all. Oh. It's like some honing device. It's kind of like a, a dish satellite. If I just get it in the right direction and just, no, 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 no. Look, I don't have to, God's heart is to know you. God's heart is, he created you. He, he, he put in you just a unique DNA, and, 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 and he, he knows more about you than you know about yourself, and he's fearfully and wonderfully created you, and he has a plan for your life, and what it is, is he wants to release that in your life, but it comes through that revelation. It doesn't come through something that's spooky or weird. It comes through relationship. 
comes through prayer, which is just simply talking to God. It comes through reading God's word is where God talks to us. The call of God. The second step that we see in this whole process that precedes the event is the plan of God. God has a plan. Look at verse, chapter 7 of Genesis, verse 1. Here's the plan. Go into the ark, you and your whole family, because I have found you righteous in this generation. Take seven pairs of every kind of clean animal, a male and its mate, and one pair of every kind of unclean animal, a male and its mate, and also seven pairs of every kind of bird, male and female, to keep their various kinds alive throughout the earth. For seven days from now, I will send rain on the earth for 40 days and 40 nights. I will, uh, I will wipe out the face of the earth and every living creature I've made. God, not only does he call us, he has a plan. And when God speaks, he speaks in steps. God doesn't speak in leaps. The, the, the phraseology that we use, a leap of faith or a blind leap of faith, holds no theological water whatsoever. It looks like it's this, we go from Noah to the ark to the flood to there, and we think it's 40 days. There it is, boom, six weeks. No, 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 no. It's a process. And we don't even know how long how long it takes to construct an ark that's 33,000 square feet that's 45 feet high. We, we, we don't know all that goes into that. How do you do that? What do you do? All those processes before the rain ever starts falling. But what we know is that God speaks. And, and when God speaks and God, God leads us, he leads us in steps. Step one, build the ark. He, 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 he leads us in steps. And so it's important to understand that. It's also important to understand that when God speaks, he, he gives you what you need to know for that step. Specifically, he tells him, I want you to get on the ark. I want you to take these animals. Seven days from now, here's what's going to happen. And I'm going to do exactly what I said. He, he speaks, but he gives you what you need to know for that step. That leads me to the next piece of the process, which is step one. Let's look at what step one was. Step one is Noah building the ark. I, I just I want to break this down so we get this. This is all part of the event. Look at chapter 6, verse 13 through 16. So God said to Noah, go make yourself an ark of cypress wood. Make rooms in it. Coat it with pitch inside and out. So he's waterproofing it. This is how you are to build it. The ark is to be 450 and, and 50 feet long. Your, your Bible probably says cubits. I just converted it for us. 75 feet wide and 45 feet high. About 33,000 square feet. Make a roof for it. Leave below a roof and an opening between 18 inches high around uh, and put a door in the side of the ark and make it lower, uh, middle, and upper decks. So step one, build the ark. He gives him exact instructions for what he needs. He doesn't tell him everything. He just tells him, here's what I want you to do. Uh, here's what's going to happen. And here's why I'm, I'm asking you to do it. He gives them the necessary information. So, so Noah takes step one before he takes step two. He builds the ark before he gets in the ark. He builds the ark before he gets in the ark, before God sends the flood, before he gets off the ark. It's step one, step two, step three. Some of you aren't following God because you're like, well, when God reveals everything to me, then I'll, 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 I'll follow. 
you're going to be sitting there a long time because God doesn't work that way. Anywhere in Scripture, God never downloads the, the, the complete vision. One is some of you would have cardiac arrest on the spot if you really knew what God's plan were, was. Some of you may run feverishly from it. Some, some, most of us would be verily confused with, with, with what's going on. Some of you, the fact that you're in church on a Sunday, whether you're at West Campus or Appleton Campus or, or you're in Germantown, five years ago, you would have cussed somebody out saying you're a Christ follower. Let's just be honest. I don't want to call any names, all right? But, but right, so, so the reality that you're here, it, because God works in steps, and here's what happens. He gives us step one, we steward step one. We do step one. We walk through the first door. Then we go to the second door. Then we go to the third door. He, he, he walks and leads us in steps, and when we follow him, then the next thing opens. When we stop following him, God's like, peace out, Girl Scout. I'll be at, at Starbucks grabbing a grande skinny cinnamon dolce latte at 190 degrees. And when you come to the end of yourself and you're ready to go through that door that I've asked you to go through, then I'll show up. And I'm not just talking about ministry. Some of you think, well, that's just the way it must work in the pastor's life. No, I'm talking about you that are in business. And I'm talking about you that are students. And God speaks to all of us. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, God speaks to you. And even if you're far away from God, he draws you to himself. The Bible says that none of us come into a relationship with Jesus Christ unless the Holy Spirit draws us. So even in that, he wants us to take a step. What's the step? It's faith. It's believing in him. John 3, 16, for God so loved you and I that he gave his only son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but would have everlasting life. It's a step. It's a step. And so what I want you to understand is that, is that God usually gives us one step at a time, not the whole enchilada. And if you're waiting for the whole grande platter to come out, I'm thinking about food right now. I know it's early, but I'm thinking about abuelos, the grande platter. It's about 26 inches around, and it's amazing. About 4,500 calories, but let's not talk about that. Thank God for Spanx. Okay, I'm just saying he speaks in steps. You've got to take step one before you take steps. step two. Then what happens? God moves. When we began to follow him, he begins to move. He begins when we do what we could do in the natural, he does what only he can do in the supernatural. He puts his super onto our natural and he moves. How does he move? It begins to rain. Look at verse, chapter 7, verse 12. So after Noah followed him, and the rain fell on the earth. Now you're thinking like, what's the big flipping deal with rain? I mean, come on, bro. I mean, it's rain. I mean, you have to understand that to this point, rain had never fallen from the sky. Water had never come from the sky. The earth was watered, and if you, know, if you remember back when we just read that, that the, that the springs, the floodgates burst forth, and then the rain began to fall. The, wor the world, the earth in essence, was watered through, the, through basically through kind of a dew-like system uh, through natural springs. They had never seen rain before. They, they, they had never seen it do this before. So the fact that God tells Noah this is what he's going to do is amazing, and he's kind of crazy to believe it. Because he'd never seen it before. It's like when Nando, the, the worship pastor here at the, at the Germantown campus, he moved here from San Antonio. I'll never forget walking out one day into the foyer of the offices, and he's just standing there looking out onto the parking lot like, wow. I'm like, is this guy tripping? What is he doing? I, I was going to another meeting, and I said, hey, what are you doing? He goes, pastor, it's snowing. I said, no joke, Sherlock, it's Wisconsin. You're going to see a whole lot of this. And if you like it like this, you're going to be happy all winter. And I'm like, he's like, man, I'm from San Antonio. I was like, 
I, I've never seen it like this. And he stood there for like an hour. I was like, okay, Ryan, make sure he's all right. I, I got to go to a meeting. <laughs> this is what's happening. The water begins to fall from the sky. It begins to rain. And here's what I want you to understand, that this is that moment of reality. It's that moment where faith becomes sight. For a leader, it's where the dream becomes a reality. The thing that God has put in your heart, faith, the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, the Bible says in, in Hebrews chapter 11, speaking things that are not as though they are, all of a sudden it begins to show up. And it's in that moment, it's in that instance where you begin to see God work. Because here's what happens. When you take that step and you do what only you can do, God will do what only he can do. And God will begin to move and he will begin to put his super onto your natural and things will begin to happen. And what we like is we love that event. But I want you to understand there was a complete process behind getting to that event. And if Noah had not listened to God, if Noah had not acknowledged his plan, if Noah had not built the ark, if Noah had not assembled two of every kind, if Noah had not brought his family, the in-laws and the outlaws on the ark, the water would have never fallen. And some of you want to know why God doesn't work and move in your life because he spoke to you about step one and you refuse to take it. Some of you, you've done step one, step two, but you're, you're on a holding pattern on step three because it's freaky. It's scary. Sure it is. Sure it is. Look, if we knew everything that was going to happen, there's no faith in that. But the Bible says that faith is a currency of heaven, that without faith, it's impossible to please God. Faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, speaking things that are not as though they are. Not on my word or my ability, that would be crazy, but upon him. I believe this is what's going to happen. I believe this is what God's going to do. And don't relegate that to a spiritual leader in your life. Look, you are the priest you are the saints of the church. The Bible says it very clearly. My job as a pastor is to equip you, the saints of the church, to do the work of ministry. Contrary to popular opinion and some traditional liturgical uh, ideologies, the saints are not dead people living in, enshrined in some tomb in a different continent. The saints are you. Whoever calls the name of the Lord shall be saved. You're doing the work of the ministry. But, man, I'm an accountant. I, I'm an engineer. I, I work at the local factory. I, I, I answer the phones for, for the paper company. I, you know, I, I'm, 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 no. You are called of God. You're equipped of God. God has a plan for your life. And process will always precede the event. And listen to me. If you're a student, God's speaking to you about doing something that maybe it's never been done before in your family. It's scary. But he has a plan. And my family, I was the first one to go to college. If you go back, my grandparents, my grandfathers were both functionally illiterate. My grandmothers had third and fourth grade educations. My parents were the first generation to graduate high school. I was the first one to go to college and graduate with an undergraduate degree. And there are times where God put something in your heart. See, you're part of the reality and the fulfillment of what God put in mind in Tammy's heart. And when I came to Germantown 12 years ago this fall, people laughed. If I had a dollar from, for every pastor that told me what we're doing right now would never work in this state, we, we, I'm just saying we, we would all be, we, we'd have a buffet every week. We'd have a lot of money. It's just crazy. Because there's something about that. 
But I'm just telling you, when you began to walk it out, step one, make the move. Step two, begin to trust God. Step three, begin to walk it out. Are you going to make mistakes? Sure you are. It's like a first-time driver. You're going to hit something. It's okay. Amen? Thank God for insurance. Okay. But you're going to learn. You're going to fall down, but you're going to get up. God's going to show up. And when God shows up, things begin to happen. We love the rain. But remember, you got to build the ark. you got to put sweat and effort into it before God does. There's a process. I just want to remind you, there's a process. There's life on the boat. Let's talk about the boat for a minute. When you read those, those numbers, you kind of go, oh, whatever. It's 33,250 square feet approximately. That's smaller than any cruise ship you're going to go on. That's not like the oasis of the seas, right? Where it's got like uh, six pools and it's got an ice skating rink and a theater and a performing arts center and 20 restaurants, whatever they have. It's 33,000 square feet. You're going to have six adults and their kids. Because even though Jesus loved the children, God doesn't say a whole lot about them in the Old Testament. So the Old Testament really never gives us numbers of children. It just talks about it in terms of adults. And in some places, it doesn't even give women props. It's just about the men. So we don't know how many grandkids were running around. We don't know how many toddlers were. We don't, we don't know. What we know is that it was Noah and his wife and their sons, Ham, Sham, and Japheth, the three boys, and their wives. And what happens is there's two creatures of every kind. Have you ever thought about that? Have you ever, seriously, just think about that. 33,000 square feet, so that's about the size of the Germantown campus. And there's going to be two creatures, two, two, a male and a female of every creature, every bird known to man that's going to be on this boat. I don't know how they did it. I mean, I'm just being honest. I was like, wow, this is going to be one of those things I'm really going to look forward to, like the heavenly IMAX with the popcorn, and I can drink real Coke then because I'll have a glorified body and I want to gain weight. And because um, and, this is amazing to me, because you have carnivorous animals, you have plant-eating animals, you've got, you got lions and lambs. Like, how do you keep them from not killing each other? Seriously, right? Think about feeding them. Where do you put all that stuff? And, 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 and just think about all the poop. Have you thought about that? They only have one window. It's the way it was designed, right? And you can't lower the door because it's flooding. What do you do with all that? And then can you imagine you got in-laws and outlaws? I mean, some of you can't go a week with your in-laws and outlaws. Can you imagine being on a boat where there's no windows? Dear God, help us all. And then on top of that, we go, well, but you know, pastor, it was only for 40 days. <laughs> it was 375 days from the day they got on that boat to the day they got off that boat. The Bible says Noah was 600. It was in the second month, the 17th day, that they entered into the ark specifically. And on the second month and the 27th day, they were able to disembark from the ark. I want to show you this. Genesis chapter 7, verse 11. In the 600th year of Noah's life, on the 17th day of the second month, February 17th, on that day, all the springs of the, uh, of the great burst forth, and the floodgates of heaven were open. And then the rain began to fall for 40 days and 40 nights. Yes, it rained for 40 days and 40 nights. But the flood didn't cease. It flooded the earth 
So the springs of the earth burst forth, the rain comes down, floods the earth, so that at the very most shallow point, it's 23 feet above every mountain range. So the highest mountain range, the Himalayas, whatever, it's 23 feet above that. So that's how much water covered the earth. That water has to recede. And one passage of scripture, the Bible says, in one version it says, an inch by inch the water receded. You know what it's like to watch snow melt in Wisconsin in March and April, maybe May? It's like, is this ever going to melt? Is it ever going to go away? An inch by inch, right? It begins to recede. Look at Genesis chapter 8, verse 14. And by the 27th day of the second month, the earth was completely dry. Then God said to Noah, come out of the ark, you, your wife, your sons, and their wives. Nobody died. That's a good thing. Everybody that was, got on got off. And they got off the ark. 375 days approximately, they're on this boat with one window. With every critter, in-laws, outlaws, everybody. And I want you to notice something. Scripture says God speaks to Noah to get on the ark, and he doesn't speak again until it's time to get off the ark. So God speaks, and 375 days later, Noah doesn't know what's going to happen. All Noah knows is that God's going to flood the earth. They have to build the ark, and the ark's going to save them. He does not know when the dry land's coming. He does not know what's going to happen next. He doesn't know. Is God's, you know, I mean, this is kind of like Gilligan's Island. It started out with a three-hour tour, and now it's into a miniseries, right? I mean, it just, the, the bottom line is he doesn't know. And God's not talking. You ever been there where you take the steps and then God shows up and does something and all of a sudden the heavens are brass and then people are asking you what's going to happen next and then you're the, you're the leader, you're the great one that's heard from God and then what do you say? I don't know. Can, just think about this for a minute. If this was Tammy and I, if I were Noah, just let's just wait for a minute. I know I'm better looking than Russell Crowe and I'm more built, I'm just saying, but just say for a minute that I was emaciated as him and I, I'm, I'm Noah and, and Tammy is, is, is Noah's wife. If it was Tammy and I on the ark, after 40 days and 40 nights, you go, okay, you know, I've never seen rain before. This is pretty cool. God did save us. I'm thankful for that. And our kids, our grandkids, everybody's here. Aaron, it's been three months. When's the water going to go down and when are we getting off this boat? I don't know, Tammy. Hmm. That's how this conversation go in my household. Hmm means you better find out very quickly. So I'm sure Noah kind of took a walk and was like, hey, God, I, I need you to help a brother man out. You know, you created male and female. You got this. You know, Eve got us into trouble, and I followed. You know, I'm just joking. Just make sure you're awake. So they both did it, but Eve was the first one to sin. I'm just saying. So anyhow, so, but God, you understand. And, and, and here's the deal, Lord. I, I got to answer to this woman. I mean, she going to kill me, God. It's getting a little stanky up in here and everything's going on. You only gave us one window, no ventilation system. Nothing. Okay, cool. Maybe you're busy trying to figure something else out. I don't know, but there's no, there's no navigational system. There's no, there's no depth finder. They have no idea. Tammy would come back to me and a few months later, it probably wouldn't be a few months, but come back to me and just say, hey, it's been six months. Do you know anything? No. They don't know anything. There's always a process, and you may have done everything God's asked you to do, and now it feels like the heavens are brass. It feels like you've just kind of been left out to dry. And when people get in that situation, here's what you do. You, do, you just keep doing what God told you to do. Now, if God told you to take a step and you haven't taken it, that's the reason why you're, you're, you're stalemated. You're high-centered in essence. But when he speaks, and you've done everything you can do, 
What does the Bible say? Paul says, when I've done everything that I know to do to stand, just stand. Don't become weary in well-doing, for in due season, if you don't quit, you'll have your reward. I just want you to understand that it's a year of his life. And during that year, there is no communication between God and Noah. When I get to heaven, I want to know what that felt like. I want to know what it felt like to be the person who's the only one that's communicated with God and everybody's coming to you, and yet God doesn't give you anything. But remember, process always precedes the event. And then dry ground hits. It's the completion. The completion. Everything comes full circle. Look at, I'm wrapping up, Genesis chapter 8, verse 13. By the first day of the second month of Noah's 601st year. So Noah's not like a young guy. You know, he's probably got a bad back by now. He's 600 years old and one. The water had dried up from the earth. Then Noah removed the covering from the ark and saw the surface of the ground. And by the 27th day of the second month, the earth was completely dry. So he sat there for 27 days with a boat and the ground's too saturated to get out on. And he doesn't move until God speaks. But his faith begins to become reality. And then there's a time where he's able to get out. And by four, verse 14 says that by that 27th day, the earth was completely dry and God speaks. Noah, you and your family and all the creatures begin to come off the ark. There's coming a day where it's going to come a reality. It's not always going to flood. It's not always going to be God will speak. God has a plan. And notice what he does. He builds an altar. An altar. An altar is not a physical wooden bench. It can be that. But an altar is really not about the condition of some physical situation or some physical piece of furniture. It's a heart issue. And Noah builds an altar to God, not to the boat. Because the boat's just a tool. Listen, never, never, ever elevate the tool that God uses. Whether it's a person whether it's a church, whether it's a pastor. They're just people. They're just buildings. You honor and you elevate God. Because an altar, look at it in Genesis chapter 8, verse 20. Then Noah built an altar to the Lord. Not to the boat. The boat, the ark, is just a symbolization of the, of, of the redemption of mankind. The ark redeemed them. It, it symbolizes the covenant. It symbolizes the relationship. It symbolizes what happens. But Noah doesn't build an altar to the boat. He builds an altar to God. Because an altar is a place of grace to find grace for our failures. So when we've sinned and when we messed up, we find an altar. We make an altar. We stop. That altar could be kneeling in the woods. Or the, that altar could be, could be driving in your car. That, that altar could be finding, turning around in your seat in a church service. It, it could be anything. But an altar is not about a piece of furniture. An altar is about a condition of your heart. And you say, oh, God, help me forgive me. And if I'd have been Noah on that boat, I probably would have lost it. I probably would have said some things. When I got off, I'd probably make an altar and just ask God to forgive me for some things. Lord, I said some terrible things. I need to make some things right. And that's not what the Bible says that Noah did. Because the altar is not just for confession of our sins. The altar is a place of gratitude for our successes. We don't just run to the altar when we're sinning. We run to the altar when God's blessed us. Thank you, God, 
for saving my family. Thank you, God, for blessing us. Thank you, God, for giving us favor. Thank you, God, for keeping us. Thank you, God, for restoring us. Thank you, God. When's the last time you just made an altar to thank God for the successes of your life? It's all part of the process. So, so in essence, what's the so what? I just want you to understand that God has a plan and a vision for you. God has a plan and a vision for Life Church. God has a plan and a vision for West Campus and for Appleton Campus. There was 50, 60, 70, 80 people that were here last night in Germantown from Appleton just kind of experiencing this service. God has a plan. God's at work. And, and the key is, is that God's speaking. And when he speaks, we've got to listen. We've got to follow. Even when we don't get the whole enchilada. And remember that God doesn't work through events exclusively. He works through the process. And when the plan is fulfilled in our lives, it's then that we see the miracle of God. God has a plan. God has a purpose. God has not left you. And maybe you need to just keep holding on because you're doing what he's asked you to do. Maybe you need to take step two or step three or step four. Maybe you've seen your faith become reality and you just need to build an altar to God and say, thank you, God. Just thanks. Thanks for the business. Thanks for the clients. Thanks for the resources. Thanks for the health of my family. Thanks, God, for the local church that I'm a part of. Thanks for the relationships that I have. God works through process, and process precedes event. And if we want to see that happen in our life, we must submit ourselves to that and let God do his word. Father, I just thank you today for your word. I thank you today, God, that you love us, that you speak to us, that you reveal yourself to us. God, through relationship, not through some mystical way, but in a way that we can understand. And I just pray, God, your blessings be upon us. Help us. Germantown, West Campus, Appleton. Oh, God, that we would be found faithful. And even in those days where we crash and burn, we know that your grace is sufficient for us, that we get back up and we keep walking. I pray, God, speak. I pray, God, reveal yourself. I pray, God, give us strength. Even through that times of silence where we're on the boat to keep on keeping on until we see the dry ground. It will come. Completion will come. In that moment, help us to honor and bless you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.